0: Welcome to The Guest Cast, the podcast that explores guest stories from real people and looks at how an interaction with hospitality during travel can affect a guest's whole life. This podcast is brought to you by TouchStay Digital Guidebooks. As leaders in the hospitality space, we want to dig into real guest experiences to learn about what really makes an impact on them, however good or bad the experience is. Introducing your TouchStay hosts. Hi friends,
1: I'm ty Marcin hammond And I am a vacation rental industry leader, educator, longtime host, owner, property manager, and investor, as well as the community ambassador for Touchday Digital Guidebooks.
2: Hi, my name's Andy. I'm the CEO here at Touchday. We started Touchday to improve guest experiences. So having a podcast in which we get to hear from real guests is something I'm personally very excited about.
0: So pack your bags and let's join your hosts and this week's guest.
2: Hey guys, welcome to the next podcast episode. I am really excited about this one for reasons that are um, kind of the the adventure seeker traveler spirit in me, even though I don't do much of that. Uh, It's Dave and Deb who started a website called The Planet D. And I love the mantra that you guys have on your website. And I know you're redesigning your website, so maybe you'll change it, but I hope not. It's, we live by the motto, adventure is for everyone, because we believe that you don't have to be an uber athlete, adrenaline junkie, or a part of the ultra rich to become an adventure. All you need is the desire to achieve something more. And I think that's brilliant. It just makes adventure accessible to everyone. So um, I'm hopefully gonna hear about some really interesting stories as well as, um, well, I'm I'm just anything. I, I think it's gonna be a fantastic discussion. So Dave and Deb, welcome.
3: Thanks so much for having hey Andy, us. Thanks. We, we are very excited to be here. And yes, the, the, we did actually think long and hard. We're keeping that motto is for everyone. Because back when we started the Planet D in 2008, Dave and I were actually looking for a role model in a sense. We were working in jobs and stuck in our careers and it seemed like everyone our age was either like a super uber athlete summiting Mount Everest or they were super rich. And we were like, can't we do that as regular people? So that's how we started going out. And we you know, decided to launch our blog by cycling the continent of Africa from Cairo to Cape Town. And we had no cycling experience and uh, we didn't really know what we were doing but we read an article about it and said, this time next year, we're gonna do it. So we told everyone at work mm-hmm. that we're not, gonna, not going to be working here anymore as of next January. So and I know- they all laughed at us. Yes, they did. Sign up for a cycling race and then by June, this was January of the year before, by June we were going, what the heck did we do? We paid for this cycling race. We're going to quit our jobs. We're in big trouble, but we followed through with it.
4: Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, that's adventure for everyone really became our mantra because, you know, by doing that, you know, we wanted to become the people that could inspire people who were like us. So, you know, we're just ordinary people going out there, attempting to live extraordinary lives uh, by doing adventures and doing what we want to do and showing that adventure can be accessible to every single person because adventure is different for everybody. Adventure doesn't have to be summiting Mount Everest. You know, adventure can be experiencing a, a market in Marrakesh for the very first time. So there's different levels of adventure and that's sort of where the adventure is for everybody everyone mantra came from and uh, why we've kept it for all these years.
2: I thought that was a really interesting little segment there that Dave was explaining about how adventure is for everyone and you don't necessarily need to be the ultra athlete or the brilliant mountain climber. And although this episode isn't about adventure, I thought it might be interesting just to pause on that and think about how there is this growing segment of guests who are looking for something a little bit different and looking for a little bit of adventure in their holiday. And I wondered whether that's something that you think people could introduce in a simple way, Tyan. I mean, what do you do, for example, in yours?
1: What I really liked was when they, they told us a little bit about how they got into it with the Biking. And they said, Hey, let's do this big bike trail. And I can really connect with that because I am right next to one of those big bike trails. And it's one of the easier ones because it's a rails to trails. So it's almost flat because a train was on it. So they turned it from a railway into a biking trail. And our guests come for that and they might ride a couple miles or something. But what's really interesting is that it is the people anybody can ride a bicycle, and then there is the support along the trail. There's a whole network of whether it's lodging, the different types of lodging. So you've got camping and glamping and bed and breakfast and vacation rentals and bunk houses and campgrounds. And even where I'm at, your choice is a community campground for $5 a night and you get a hot shower and a place to pitch your tent. So there's, and then you got the, the, um, restaurants and all the different types of supports. And the average person can do this adventure. And then you go into, there's different tours that are surrounding various adventures with the different levels. And the more I look into it for our guests, I'm finding these incredible tours. So like at Table Rock Lake, you can do horseback riding and visit a brewery all in one day put together by a tour guide and you can just enjoy it. And they tell you exactly what type of physical limitations and what kind of gear you need to bring. And generally they provide most everything.
2: it's really interesting how simple um you can introduce the sense of adventure to your guests um there's actually a brilliant um uh, video that a guy called alastair Humphreys has done which we'll we'll share the link to it which is all about how you can have a little bit of adventure in your everyday life and it's it's not hard stuff it's just doing things that you think are just a bit weird or a bit unusual Um, they're not hard to do. They're just a bit weird and uncomfortable and unusual. But the minute you do them, all legal, of course, but the minute you do them, you feel like there's the sense of adventure you've accomplished. So I think it could be really simple.
1: So the story you're going to tell us about today is a story that may be something that a lot of people feel like they can't relate to it because they have not traveled in the Amazon rainforest. However, it's a story that could happen to absolutely anyone that really changed the way that you travel.
3: Yeah, definitely. We were doing a a nice, cushy, luxury trip with Amazon, international expeditions on the Amazon where we were seeing the Amazon River for the first time. And uh, we were really excited about this. And uh, four days into the trip, we were as far and deep into the Amazon as you could get. We were about to turn around a day later. We were going out on a walk uh, into the jungle. And I'll never forget this, uh, there were a lot of people over 70 on the trip because this was one of those like luxury jungle experiences. And I remember we were waiting for one, uh, some of the older people to go to the little portable toilet that they they brought along with us. So while we were standing in the jungle, Dave and I had a long discussion about a piece of gear that he left sitting on the boat. Um, we took this long skiff boat in and he was, uh, we talked and talked and then finally you said, I'm gonna run back and get it while everyone's going to the bathroom, I'll be right back. And the next thing I know, Dave's running back and I hear, the loudest, most organic, gut wrenching scream I have heard from Dave in my entire life. And uh, the next thing I know, Dave's, uh, I run back to the boat and you can take it from there. Dave had fallen.
4: Yeah, I had what? I, and I an couldn't opposite. get up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Uh, I I come back to the uh, to the boat to get the piece of equipment like Deb said and there's two metal steps stepping down onto the skiff boat the front of the skiff boat and as I stepped down onto the second step. uh, My foot went out from underneath me and I had 2 I'm a a travel photographer as well so I had two cameras on me, so I was holding them and as I slipped and fell backwards, I actually landed uh, on the metal stairs with my back. And I knew when I landed, as soon as I landed, that I had done something really bad. You know, that feeling you get when I don't know if anybody's ever broken any bones or anything like that. You know, when you know that you've done something bad, that's exactly how I felt. And the first thing I did, I remember, is I wiggled my toes you know, to see that I could feel my feet and I could. So I knew that I wasn't paralyzed, uh, but I didn't know what to do. And the, and the, the, the guy in the boat was freaking out. He didn't yeah. know what to do either. You know, we're way down the, the Amazon and now I'm just laying here screaming and I can't move.
3: Yeah. So it ended up that uh, Dave ended up breaking two vertebrae in his back that day. And we were in the middle of the Amazon. And um, luckily for us, it was a very small cruiser. it was only about 30 people on it. So when you're on a ship, uh, that size you don't need to have an on-ship doctor so that was a uh, one problem right there however there was a retired emergency nurse from the states that was on the ship and she totally yeah. took charge and we just thank god for her every day because she we had these uh like i always joke that we were on such a cushy chip trip that they had all of these frozen towels for us to use when we came back from our walk so she used all the frozen towels to put on dave's back she wrapped them up in our cushions from our our seats that we were on and kept him still. And she told me, I think he might've broken his back. So um, while we were sitting in the hot heat of the Amazon waiting for other people to come back, our guides were on the satellite phone. There was no service there. I I vividly have memories of them driving around up and down the Amazon river with their arms up uh, with like doing, do I have a signal now? Do I have a signal now? And uh, trying to get a hold of somebody coming in. So that was uh, one of the longest days of our lives, and I, I don't want to go on forever, but it took about ten hours for us to get to the hospital that day. And uh, but
4: the trip to the hospital was pretty uh, intense, intense to <laughs> say the least. In that you know uh, we had to get a float plane in, so they they got a float plane from uh, fr- from somewhere, Iquitos or somewhere like that or a small village to, to to come out to the Amazon, landed on the Amazon, put me on a boat, uh, all, all still tied to a, like a backboard, and they're trying to load me from a boat into the side of a seaplane in the middle of the Amazon River with the current current going so Deb is freaking out saying please don't drop my husband. Yeah, I had visions
3: of him just going into this murky Amazon River.
4: I fall in I'm not coming back. Uh, They do get me into uh, the plane where they had just taken the seats out. There's two guys in there who um, don't speak English, they only speak Spanish and we don't speak Spanish, so we don't know what's going on uh anyway they do get me in there we get up in the air
3: but dave has skipped ahead i'm gonna just go for a second we had four hours on the boat of you waiting for this plane yeah because there was a no pain i don't want him to get to the next point yet because (laughs) there was a storm and we were waiting for us like they could not get any plane to come out that's why we had such a rickety plane that eventually came to get dave and i'll never forget i um thank god i was with the tour it was really I, i always thought about if we were alone on the amazon what would we have done because I got to use the satellite phone to, to phone our insurance company. And uh, I phoned the insurance company panicking, saying, what do I do? Uh, the they, They're telling me there's a storm and I th- they think they have to phone the army. army to get him out. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And luckily my insurance company said, well, you have full coverage, just do whatever you want. And I really, to tell you the truth, I didn't know I had full coverage for the army at that time, but uh, I was thankful. So I just said, great, do what you want. <laughs> so... After four hours of waiting And everybody for day, was asking you on the. Yeah, they kicked me out of the room with Dave because uh, they didn't want me to freak him out. So I went and sat in the, the, the lobby and uh, everyone was asking me like, do you have travel insurance? And uh, I thought that was a weird thing. We're, we're Canadian. The first thing we always do is get travel insurance. But every other person on the trip with us was American. And I don't think it's, you can tell us more clearly, but a lot of Americans don't think of travel insurance. And one woman said to me, I even work for AAA and I didn't get travel insurance. <laughs> she said, you have made me think about my whole life completely differently. And I remember getting emails from them afterwards, like we kept in touch and people were saying, now whenever I travel, I have travel insurance because I learned from you guys. Cause uh, it could have cost us a fortune or oh, yeah. all of these flights and it didn't cost us a penny. So now moving on, cause Dave skipped like four hours cause he was in a delirious fog. We are on the plane. <laughs> Over the Amazon, and they said it would be about twenty minutes for us to get to Aikitos.
4: Yeah, and I remember flying. Uh, I'm laying down on the on the floor of the plane, and I can see the Amazon below because there's a crack, <laughs> couple cracks in the floor of the plane, so I can see the Amazon below. And uh, we start to go down. I, I would get up and we just start to go down. And, and Dave's like, "We're I'm here like, already." I'm like, "Oh, we're here already. Thank God." You know, I, I'm I'm in major pain. It's been a long time since no painkillers, and. Uh, Well, and I was like, oh, and Deb's like, no, no, we're not here. There's a storm, we have to land on the Amazon. So the plane lands on the Amazon and we go over and we basically just sit tied up to a tree and we sit there and wait for the storm to go.
3: In the middle of the river, we're tied up to a tree just sitting there. And it was funny, I was watching a movie last night about a plane through and I brought back memories because I could actually see the wall around us. Like when when it's a storm in the Amazon, it's a storm. So anyway, we sat there for another 20 minutes and then took
1: off. I am just imagining the emotions when you're going through this crisis. You're anxious. You're fearful. Will your husband even live? And during this, you have to make logistical decisions. How did you feel when you remembered that you have travel insurance, that you made that wise decision in the very beginning? I I
3: cried, I, I literally cried. First of all, I was terrified the whole time. I was sure Dave was paralyzed. I thought that's it. And then I, I started thinking about how I'm going to have to deal the rest of my life with, of all things, how are we gonna travel? How are we <laughs> gonna figure out our travels? It's the weirdest things you start thinking about in the case of an emergency. It's not how we're gonna live. It's like, how are we gonna do the logistics of this? you know? But uh, when I did call, I remember when I called my insurance company and just having people on the other end tell me it's gonna be okay, you're covered you have a translator. I did, I cried. I was like, okay, we're okay. And I came running back to the room and I told you, we're okay, we're gonna take care of all this. And I'm telling everyone on the ship, call the army, we're good. Like I was like, I'm a very like, you know, what am I, dramatic person as it is. So I was like in total drama queen moment at that time running around, we're gonna be good, you know? And uh, luckily the, the lady that was the nurse was, t- took such good care. I was, I, you know, I, I should have looked up her name before because it's been five years, but we did keep in touch for a couple of years. And I remember when Dave was saying that I was terrified I, w- I was going to lose him in the Amazon. I remember her grabbing me and hugging me and said, Deb, I've taken care of you these last few hours. Do you trust me now? And having the people around me really scramble and take care of you just meant everything. Because just her saying that, I was like, okay, Dave's going to be okay. She's not going to let me down. She's going to let these guys take him in. So I think it was a, a huge thing knowing that I had the tour, the, the boat company taking care and they were radioed and met us when we got to Iquitos and having the insurance company. So I think just having all of that, uh, we always, and we're just huge advocates for travel insurance. I don't care what travel insurance you get, just get it. You know, for peace of mind is cheap. But just uh, having all of that made me just feel a huge sigh of relief that I wasn't alone.
4: and I also think that you know you kind of feel uh like invincible you know until something like that happens you know so you know the fact that we were prepared really uh made us we were able to have that side relief instead of freaking out how are we going to pay for this you know so it's like we you always think something like this can will never happen to you until it does you know and it's such a cliche thing to say but it's true because it happened to me of all the crazy adventures i've done in my life of you know jumping out of planes scaling mountains and all this kind of stuff it was slipping on a stair that uh, that broke my back you know it's it's those crazy things that situations that you need to be prepared for uh just in case they happen
3: and i think that's why i reiterated at the beginning we were on a luxury tour we don't (laughs) do those very often you know a really good organized tour and that's when it happened because normally Like Dave said, we're traveling independently on our own in the middle of nowhere, scaling mountains, not even thinking about the repercussions. And this was supposed to be that safe one. And that's what we always say to people. It can happen at any time when you least expect it. And it most likely is when you least expect it.
2: And probably also because you were in a more relaxed mode. Well,
4: I think psychologically for her, I would think, because I was out of it. So me, I'm just dealing with the pain. I'm not really thinking about anything like that. But psychologically for Deb to be able to, to be put at ease that financially and everything is going to be okay. And that, that sort of reassurance uh, really sort of, you know, probably helped you have a clear head yeah. and a clear uh, mind going forward in that it's not all clouded with all these crazy questions. You can sort of be like, it's okay. Now you can move on and deal with what's happened
2: all for the cost of peanuts relative to your
3: experience the travel insurance we had uh, that we still use that cost us uh, 560 canadian if you like that's like play money for everyone else you know <laughs> 560 canadian a year for for two of us you know and it saved us literally a hundred thousand dollars
1: The other thing that I am hearing is that the tour company had policies and processes in place in case a crisis like this happened. And because they had those policies and processes in place, they're able to better care for you during that crisis.
3: You know, international expeditions, they were amazing. And I remember their, uh, I think it was called Explora was the company that they work with in, in Nikitos. They, they were the people on the ground with us. And the minute we landed uh, like in the plane well, this was on a tuk-tuk or was it the van by this time? We had many different modes of transportation, but they were there at the hospital and instantly doing all the translating for us. And what I loved about having a company to work with or to be with, sorry, that we were, I always tell people, I thank God that I had a company that day because anytime anything happened, I ran over to their office and made a phone call. I was when I was crying, they said, I'm going to come over to the hospital and find out what the prognosis is. They were always sending a translator in twice a day, morning and evening to let us know what was going on. Cause I didn't speak any Spanish and we were in a little tiny, little tiny town in the middle of the Amazon and nobody spoke English. The doctors didn't speak English. Nobody spoke English. So it was really difficult. So having that company that really had all these protocols in place, they were amazing. And what was really interesting is uh, that float plane they covered it. We even had travel insurance and they ended up having it on their insurance because they just had that ready. Like I remember getting the bill yeah. after it was all said and done. I didn't have a bill. It was zero, but I just saw everything our insurance company had, paid, to, pay, had yeah. to pay for and the float plane wasn't on it. Like it, Explorer and, and international exi- expeditions covered that.
4: I think they went, <sighs> I really felt they went uh, like above and yeah. beyond uh you know, like if that is their regular service, that's the, like, that's incredible because, you know, was, yes. every, everything that happened there, they were on it. Yeah. So, you know, they did have a plan and, you know, if something did happen and they needed to get someone to a hospital rather than, you know, just trying to wing it together and figure things out. So I think yeah, that, you they know, had the
3: satellite, oh, phone, yeah. they had the first aid, they had the, the phone connected right on on the ship. They had everything that we needed. And then by the time we were in Iquitos, Dave was in the hospital and they were helping me take care of all the paperwork. And trust me, there's a lot of paperwork. I have just folders of it I had to bring home that I never would have known that I needed. I remember uh Jamie and Pam. Pam yeah. was the woman's name. And she was uh walking with me through the, the hospital, going to like the x-ray room to get my x-rays or Dave's x-rays, going to the head office to get the paperwork to sign off. It was I never could have done that. I would have just been you would have been there for six months if I were all by myself. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of that happens. I hear of other travelers who do say I was in the hospital for three months. And it's probably because they didn't have the help or the, yeah. or the uh, travel insurance to get out. So I think that was a thing for us. Nine days was more than enough.
1: And,
2: and how many years ago was this?
4: This was in 2014. And you're fully recovered now? I'm 100% recovered uh, and better than ever, they say.
1: That is such an incredible story. Now, the one thing that really came out at the end to me was that in the middle of the crisis, with these protocols and processes that really helped allay fears and stress and anxiety, the unknown, that the company put and embedded into the processes an element of human touch and care from phone calls to hugs to translators.
2: Yeah, I I think... That this human side to handling disaster is something that we don't tend to really think about too much and I actually think that it's a really um, valuable almost invaluable part of the service you can offer if you're able to jump in with a human touch the human angle to somebody staying with you having a disaster for example it's not it wasn't such a drama but we were on a holiday one year in in florida and my son samuel had braces and part of the brace at the back had come loose and he'd literally had a wire digging into the side of his cheek so he couldn't eat anything without you know being in horrible pain and we just didn't know like which of the dentists to go to and would they How much would they charge? And so we ended up calling the person that we were staying with and they recommended the right one to go to. And that took away instantly all of the the concern that we had. And it's a, it's a, a very different scenario from potentially breaking your back. But the point is clear that the value that a guest attributes to you being able to just say we've got it you know, here's what you need to do, is brilliant.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you can send an email with information. You can send a link to a website. You can tell them to Google something. But just that whole feeling of, I've got you. I've got your back. I'll help you out. It's the ultimate part of of hospitality.
2: Yeah, and made really easy as well. So if if um, you know we do have a digital guidebook service, so for example, if you had something flagged inside that, which was what to do in an emergency, then you may not even get the call from a worried guest. They may just know, having seen it, that it was there and that it's available to them. And that's as powerful because the guest has been able to automate the, the response themselves rather than having to call you. So I think, it's, I think it's worth putting yourself in the shoes of a guest who may encounter difficult scenarios while staying with you, whether it's the dentist thing, whether it's slipping and falling, whatever it might be, try and walk that, that path that a, a guest in emergency might walk and think about how you can make the resolution available and accessible to them really easily.
1: Right. It's those simple things such as when the smoke alarm goes off, what do they do? And having that process in place and outlined, you and your team know exactly what to do, but it's even better when the guest knows exactly what to do. And for us, we've got two different type of smoke alarms in one house. You set one off, you get a visit from the fire department. If you set the other one off, you open a door. So both of those could go off if you burn the bacon in the kitchen. And we have explicit instructions what to do when they go off so that they just you know don't go crazy
0: and flip out like,
1: oh no, what did we do? We messed something up, it was an accident.
0: Do you have a travel or hospitality story you'd like to share on The GuestCast? If so, head to theguestcast.com, send us a brief outline of your story, and we'll be in touch. And remember to subscribe to The GuestCast on your favorite podcast app, leave us a five-star review, and say hello on our social media. At TouchStay on Twitter and Facebook, and at TouchStayWelcome on Instagram. This podcast was brought to you by TouchStay Digital Guidebooks, you can learn more about Touchstay and how they can help make your guests happier at touchstay.com.